Podcasts. The Schedule. It's more than a linear path. It is a network of endless synergy where a single property can branch out to infinite content. Creating Rattlich and Broadcasting shows each different from the ones you have already heard. I am the Starcher. I am your guide through this one single TV party tonight. Follow me and ponder the question. What if? It is TV party tonight, and I am your host this evening. My name is Jesse Starcher, and we are going to be talking about What If, the show that dropped on Disney Plus. To discuss this series tonight with me is none other than Robert Winfrey. Robert Winfrey, how you doing? You, you just got off of SmackDown coverage, yeah. and now you're hopping in here. Are you ready to talk some what if? Sure. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how close the combination of SmackDown into this series is going to make me, is going to push me towards alcoholism, but we're going to find out. <laughs> oh, it sounds like we're off to a great start already. Alexis Haina is here from Honeysuckle Rose Creations and many other podcasts here on the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network. And she's currently dog-sitting a nice, is it a beagle? Is that what you got? I currently have four dogs uh, in my house right now, two of which are mine, the Corgi and the Lab mix. We also have, yes, a Beagle and a Terrier mix who are kind of wandering. Oh I was worried at first because last night the uh, the Beagle came by early. Uh, the Terrier had to come by today after he was uh, done at the groomers. And the Beagle apparently has never been out of his owner's home before, so he was crying up a storm last night. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and, that would probably be something to adjust to. My goodness. Well, the other problem was that every time it finally got calm, and all the dogs were asleep. Uh, we've been dealing with crazy winds and cold weather here in the Midwest. It, it actually freaking snowed today. Whoa. Yeah, we got snow. It, it is about time for it. Yeah, it snowed, yeah. But, it's, but it was snowing. And we had multiple occasions of something hit the house or the wind just got kind of loud or one of the trees outside uh, just started shaking really badly. And of course, my lab and Corgi are just like, wait, wait, what's going on? And then they'd start barking. And then apparently they'd all wake up and then the beagle would be like, oh, wait, that's right. I'm not home. Arr, arr. And it's just like, oh, I was finally asleep. <laughs> I, I, I spent most of this uh, morning and early afternoon crashed on the couch because it was like, I did not sleep at all last night. I need to recover. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, well, I'm glad you got to join us tonight uh, to talk about what if. So uh, real quick, before we really hop into the main uh the, yeah, the main chunk of what we're here to talk about. Um, I, I do want to just quickly, we got a total of, I think, nine episodes uh, that released on Disney Plus, and I will quickly go down through those. Uh, so we're not going to break them down episode by episode. What we're going to do is we'll talk about some of our favorite parts about this series, uh, some of the stuff we didn't like. So that synopsis is coming up. But first, let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. 
If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. Episode 1. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Then we have what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord. T'Challa is, I want to say, abducted, but uh, I don't know if you want to call it that. I, I, I guess so, by it Yondu. It's accurate. Yeah. Uh, taking, Yondu gets the coordinates wrong and picks up T'Challa as opposed to uh, Peter Quill. That's right. That's right. Uh, then we have what if the world lost its mightiest heroes, which I think this is where Hank Pym is killing all of the Avengers, and uh, it gets a little dark, that's for sure. Uh, then we have, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? And speaking of dark, boy, does that one, that one, uh, that one gets rough. Uh, you, as Doctor Strange continues to go back in time to try and save Dr. Christine Palmer. Um, yeah. And it just continues to uh, end badly. Uh, so he absorbs a ton of power. It's a pretty important episode when you look at how things end here. And then we have What If Zombies. And I was chomping at the bit for this one. Uh, when, it was uh, the one that I think everyone was most interested in. When right. they, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure when uh, the show was advertised, there were three distinct periods of people uh, could pick up on Captain Carter, T'Challa's Star Lord, and zombies. Everything right. else you could see flashes of various Marvel characters, but those three you could definitely see the storyline on. Yes, yes. Then we have uh, What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark? This is one that kind of came out of the blue for me. Killmonger is not to be trusted, uh, and you find out why in another dark episode of What If. And then you have episode seven, which is uh, this pretty much starts the final three episodes episodes that kind of tie together where it's what if Thor were an only child and this is just uh, party bro Thor if I remember correctly he's the one he's just partying it up on earth and uh, we have a battle between him and Captain Marvel I think that happens in this one this was the comedy episode this, right. this was the one that I, I remember watching and thinking to myself all, thinking all those who hate Thor Ragnarok are probably going to hate this episode <laughs> right uh, and, uh, or can confirm can confirm Korg even makes an appearance. <laughs> then we have What If Ultron won. The end of seven definitely leads into eight uh, because I believe Ultron shows up with the Infinity Stones in this universe where Thor was an only child. And then we kind of get the backstory to that and What If Ultron won and how that all happened. And then we have the finale of the first season, which is What If the Watcher Broke His Oath? Because Ultron gets so powerful he's able to see the watcher who uh, the watcher he's just been hanging out obviously watching things and telling this story and then all of a sudden he became he becomes a character in this story that is important uh to the plot so the watcher grabs some heroes from different uh universes put that we some of which we have seen uh already through the series puts a team together in order to fight ultron Rumor has it, if you need them, you can still find the what if team. Ah, <laughs> uh, what if? So, uh, okay. old uh, reference, and I feel. For a while, haven't you? No, actually, that just came to me as he was doing that. 
Oh, I wish I, I wish I was clever enough to have thought of that earlier. <laughs> just out of curiosity, uh, I know from my perspective, when I first started watching the series, um, because this was released weekly and they didn't reveal anything about future episodes until they were just, you know, like a few days before they started, I had no idea that um, all of these episodes were going to connect. I thought these were, it was strictly anthology. And then, right. of course, yeah, by at the end about the uh, uh, Party Thor <laughs> episode, we realized okay no these actually are connecting and there is an integral thread with all these did you guys have any inkling that they were going to go this route when they started not me i can tell you that me personally uh and this is what i alluded to in our chat that i towards the end of this series i got what i wanted initially which was when i say i got what i wanted i got a version of what i wanted which was marvel's the exiles uh so the exiles was a comic that was very similar to what we got in the last three episodes of this where uh uh, a person, not the watcher, takes alternate Marvel history figures uh, and puts them together as a team and kind of quantum leaps them where they have to go into different realities and fix what went wrong. And that's kind of what we get here. Uh, the cool, I, but I was not, a, I didn't, it's what I wanted, but did I expect it? No, absolutely not. I didn't think we were going to get that. And I was so excited when we got towards the end of this and I saw that that was, was what was, uh, what was occurring. What about you, Winfrey? I didn't watch this week to week. I, so I just binged it at the end. And by the time you can see all the things, you know, in one big setting, it's kind of obvious that there's a degree of connectivity that goes on. There's some subtle foreshadowing that goes on. Uh, the Watcher becomes more and more visible in each episode. He starts out as a vague shape and then becomes more and more Ooh. defined as we get to know him better and better. Different people start interacting with him in some capacity instead of simply instead of being unaware of his observations of them. Mm -hmm. So you can see a little bit that it might be coming if you're into that kind of theory crafting and given what we know of segments of the Marvel fandom and their obsession with Mephisto, theory crafting is something they do. <laughs> I was going to say, by the way, Jesse, nice uh, timely reference there on the quantum leap. Rest in peace, Dean Stockwell. You will be missed. Right. That's right. Um, you know, as a kid, uh, you guys, if you guys have listened to me on this network, you know that I, I do a comic book show called Source Material. And uh, that was born out of a love of comics. Uh, and I was a Marvel zombie, if you want to call me that, where I was reading mostly Marvel comics at a young age, uh, at least up until <laughs> the mid-90s or so. Uh, but What If was one of my favorite titles uh, from Marvel Comics. And I got into it in the second volume, which I think started in the early, well, probably the late 80s, early 90s. To be in 2021 and to be told that, hey, there's a what if television series that is out there. It is one of those things where as a child, you could have told me that and I would have been like, yeah, whatever. Let me just throw this out there to both of you. Did Alexis, did you have any familiarity with the comics at all? Not really. I was familiar with Marvel Zombies, um, mostly because it had been brought up in another video that I briefed <laughs> where they talked about how it was it was another comic book reviewer and he was saying how he refused to review Marvel Zombies because he felt that it was very tongue in cheek and it just he didn't feel like it would really hold up in a review. OK, so, yeah. he, he, you know, he said it's a great book, but he didn't really think he could say anything that would, you know, take it apart, so to speak. Right. Right. So, yeah, I knew of it, but I 
never really had a chance to read it. I hate okay. to say, when it comes to stories like this, I'm much more familiar with the DC Elseworld comics. Okay. Well, how about you, Winfrey? Any any familiarity with the comics or what came before the TV series? I was aware of their existence. I mean, Marvel. Look, Marvel Zombies became its own. It's not actually. I don't think Marvel Zombies is technically a what if. If you look at the what if print, it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. I know of their existence. Uh, I didn't have a tremendous amount of familiarity beyond that. It's. Uh, yeah, I think the way I might have tried to tell your younger self that this was going to be a thing was this is basically free market research for Marvel. They can invest a degree of time and energy into these things, but not a tremendous amount and see what sticks and what generates buzz and what people might be interested in seeing more of and then go from there. So it's, it makes sense for them to put something like this together. Well, especially because they just announced today that we are getting a Marvel zombies TV show. Right. Right. Winfrey, uh, did you have, what did you have any expectations for the series prior to going to it? Were you hoping that it was going to be something good or were you just like, ah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait till I see. I, you, you, you seem like a wait till I see it kind of guy. But what were your thoughts like expectations going into it? I've tried very hard to manage my expectations of everything I consume these days because for a very specific reason. A few years ago, I realized it was not worth the energy of getting angry at things. Now, this changes on occasion depending on just how invested I am in source material that's being adapted. Mm -hmm. Lock and key. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) Let's really not. A couple of years ago, that came out and that, yeah, angered me, as did the Dark Tower adaptation. Oh, yeah. which the less said, the better. Mm-hmm. So I have started to take a very, a very non-excited kind of look at uh, the world when it comes to stuff like this. It's not. I don't think it's worth the effort of getting hyped up for it because there's a decent chance you'll be disappointed. And mm-hmm. if you invest a ton emotionally into something like that, it makes it very, very difficult to be an objective critic. And half the stuff I watch is not for my enjoyment. It's so we can talk about and criticize. And I don't mean that negatively, right. but. I hear you. So I no, I didn't have a tremendous amount of hype around this. In point of fact, funny story about this particular show. There was a chat that took place while I was out between Mark and Jesse and Alexis. And it was Mark going, okay, I've double booked myself, basically. <laughs> so we can either record on this date without Winfrey or this date with Winfrey. And I was, I don't own a cell phone at the moment. And I was away from my computer. Uh-huh. Had I been present, I would have fairly easily said, it's okay to do this one without me. <laughs> Ah, one of those old, uh, had an out, but he couldn't get out. (laughs) I get, I get back home. I scroll through this chat and go, I think I told Mark, I felt a little bit like there's a sequence in the first season of the wire and someone has to make the reference because Mark's not here where they basically get to track a hit through the phone tapping that they've done. But because no one was present to monitor the phones at the time, they can't use it as evidence. And I just kind of remember feeling like McNulty when he comes back and sees that. It's like, no, no, why? <laughs> Wait, what happened? Which is not to say that I wasn't, that I'm going to be some horrible downer about everything on this series. I'm not. There's positives and negatives. Okay. But this was one of those that I absolutely could have either passed on entirely or waited to watch more at my leisure than to watch for Okay. All right. I had high expectations, but mine was because of the animation technique that they were using. This is a very different style. It looks like rotoscoping, but that's not actually what they're doing. This was drawn by hand. 
hand. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, I'm also super excited because uh, this series was directed by Brian Andrews, uh, who, Robert, you should probably recognize the name. This is the guy who directed majority of episodes of Samurai Jack and is one of my favorite currently working animation directors. Definitely a selling, a positive selling point when his name uh, started popping up. There's positives and negatives to what they did here. Some episodes make really good use of it, some not so much. I ran down all nine episodes there. Did you have a least favorite episode? We'll start with the negatives first. Least favorite episode of the series. There's a couple that were kind of tied. Oh, just say it's the Party Thor episode. It's not... It's actually not. Hold on. I didn't look. I didn't enjoy that episode as a general rule, but I at least kind of got more of the vibe they were going for with that one. Like that was not my personal cup of tea, but I get that one. I think this might be really unpopular, Uh but it's either what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark or what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? Well, I can understand Killmonger rescuing Tony Stark being the least favorite, at least on my end. What was the other one you said? Uh, if T'Challa becoming Star-Lord. That one seems to be one a lot more people liked than disliked, so maybe I can explain my position on that one a little bit more. Um, Go ahead. First of all, the animation style for the model that they used for um, Nebula in this episode, I had a real problem with. It was way too wooden. Uh, she had, like, I, blonde hair or something yeah. in this one? They, okay. they gave her a very Veronica Lake look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just doesn't quite work. It, it Every time she's on screen, everything, she looks impossibly stiff and that I, I had a bit of a problem with that my other gripe with that episode is more conceptual i think mostly in that it takes t'challa and makes him uh i'm not quite gonna say a mary sue because i don't think that's accurate but boy isn't he just the most perfectest <laughs> if only he could have had a conversation with thanos everything could have been different if only this right. paragon of reason and finesse was present everything would have been better and it, it just got really really tiring really quickly so that that one just kind of, and i didn't buy into most of the heist it wasn't that interesting a heist flick it there wasn't a whole lot here for that one and i think that's kind of why it wound up rubbing me the wrong way it just it felt like look a lot of this this series feels a bit like fan service because shock of shocks it is this was the most mm. kind of fan servicey of them and that it didn't really seem to explore anything of interest it didn't really you know i tend to think that your what ifs should radically alter how certain not only how certain events go but should pose a new problems and we didn't really get a new problem here it was a rehash of robbing the collector and mm-hmm. i'm sorry i've seen that i don't care this wasn't all that interesting and i think that's why it ultimately wound up so low for me uh as far as you know, kill marker and tony stark i don't know too many people that cared for that it just was kind of a dud episode it for as short as it was it felt really long it just it, there just wasn't a whole lot there it again it was a lot of nothing as far as that episode goes what if in the comics most of those comics were when they ended it was not a good ending like there was always it was something always depressing or something that was just didn't seem right with how you wanted it to end that's kind of what i got from killmonger rescuing tony stark that episode episode six was it just wasn't a resolution uh to it and you're not going to get a resolution based on what based on that version of killmonger being yoinked into a 
pocket dimension within an alternate reality, forever stuck in a force battle over the Infinity Stones with uh, Ultron. Right, right. So uh, I I can identify with that one, and uh, it may possibly if it's not my least favorite, it's down there at the bottom for me. But uh, um, Alexis, I agree with Robert about the T'Challa becoming a Star Lord, but it is very hard to hate on this episode considering that this series was the final performance of Chadwick Boseman and he does such a great job in this episode it it's one of those it's like yeah I'm not crazy about the plot but damn it I want to just keep listening to Chadwick Boseman in this role you know right right it's kind of hard to hate it I think the one that I genuinely wasn't that crazy about as weird as it sounds was the uh if the world lost its mightiest heroes okay Yes, I just thought the whole thing with uh, Hank Pym felt a little contrived, honestly. The whole it goes back to hope line was like, oh, God, you guys seriously go there. I thought, I'm sorry, I just thought that was way too corny. <laughs> so, yeah, it just really didn't do anything for me. Uh, the series as a whole, Robert Winfrey, what, what would be your biggest criticism of it? I, mean, you, I know it's hard to narrow it down to one, but if you could go with your <laughs> biggest. <laughs> I, I appre- You know me. I appreciate this. <laughs> Um, there's a couple here that I want to touch on. One, again, the animation style has hits and misses. Sometimes it works really, really well. I think Mm -hmm. the first episode, the animation style works very well. It's a good introduction to it. You know, if we jumped in, if the first episode had been some of the other episodes, I think people might have had a really bad reaction to the animation style. Uh, What if, uh, what if Peggy becomes the super soldier? I think is the, is the right, was the right choice ultimately to introduce people to the visual style that they were going for. But it it does have drawbacks in certain other episodes. Um, Sometimes they make Doctor Strange look a bit too much like Mega mind <laughs> right <laughs> and and that that's a little bit of an awkward choice Again, the, the episode with T'Challa as Star-Lord, some of that, man, just... The way they made the Collector look... Oh, like, my I, goodness. I, I, I think watched, that was... I watched that and went, okay, you stole, like, one of my creator wrestlers from SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. <laughs> what the heck? He like, shows up he, on screen, and I remember... Looks like. My daughter goes, my gosh, he's ripped. And I'm like, yeah, that dude is, like, jacked. What is going on here? I just get this image in my head of Benicio Del Toro squeeing like a little girl when he sees that that's the character character he gets the voice <laughs> right please don't mistake me for antonio banderas <laughs> if you've never heard that joke i'll i can fill you in later please please <laughs> uh, it, it was actually a commercial that benicio del toro did where i forget what he was for even but the gag is some fans approach him and ask for an for you know a selfie and he's happy to do it and then they walk away going i can't believe we just met antonio banderas oh my gosh Ugh. i love benicio <laughs> del toro i've loved him for years he's awesome just yeah. don't ever ask him to do shit Shakespeare again from that scene in The Wolfman. Yeah, let's let's not. I think my biggest gripe with this series, and this might sound a little bit weird, but some of the episodes I think... Some of them were too slow. Some of them were too rushed. Like, I don't think they ever quite got the pacing down for some of these shows to be as self-contained as they should be. Instead, we get stuff that touches on a bunch of different smaller points and then never actually gets to explore any of them in any sort of even remotely uh, satisfying way. 
Right. And I think that's something they really need to work on going forward. I mean, just by way of example, Hawkeye's battle weariness and what if Ultron won, like you got to earn that a little bit more than you did. And then you've also got to, along with the, in those same, in that same vein, you know, there's some of the stuff deals with really heady material and some of it doesn't come across all that well. And mm-hmm. it's just the, it's the unfortunate nature of anthology television. You're going to have hits, you're going to have misses. And I think that's probably my biggest criticism of this is there's they never quite found the consistency that you would really like to see even in an in an anthology show to be more on the positive side than the negative. I like what you're saying there. I will chime in and kind of support one of the things that uh, you said to kind of, you know, get my biggest criticism out there as well. Uh I just said no more than 10 minutes ago that this, as a child, I would have been ecstatic to understand that there was going to be a what of series on Disney Plus. And what I found myself doing a good bit of the time was I had my phone in my hand and I was bored and I would look up and I would kind of watch what's going on. And then I go back to, you know, checking up on Facebook or doing something like that. And that's what kind of broke my heart a little bit was that I could be bored with this. And that upset me. Just kind of like you said, it's anthology television. You have all sorts of stories that you got to tell in the 45 minutes to an hour that they had in, in some of these episodes. It wasn't compelling enough to keep me glued to the set. This should have been something that made me go, oh, man, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Usually I am on top of these things dropping on Disney Plus if it's a good series. I let three or four of them pile up with no problem. So, uh, Alexis, biggest criticism. Honestly, I don't really know what my biggest criticism would be. Okay. You don't have to have one. Well, like I said, there there are some things about the show that I wasn't too crazy about, but there's nothing that I'm sitting there that really makes me think about how much I don't like it. Well, that's that's fair enough. Fair enough. You had a good time and you enjoyed yourself. Um, Well, then let's go ahead and switch things up. Then why don't you, uh, Alexis, tell me what your favorite episode was. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Probably the Doctor Strange episode. Benedict Cumberbatch gives such a great performance. I've heard him do voiceover work a little bit, but... It's never one that I've really known if he could stick it, so to speak. But he does such a great job in this. And there's just something about a character facing the odds of knowing that there's no way around this and still continuously trying. Just mm-hmm. I, I, the idea that's Dr. Stephen Strange, a very logical very reality bound man this this great wonderful doctor who is told point blank this cannot be undone and he refuses to believe and he just keeps going and so many times you see things like that and you're like oh my god dude give it a break or it, they, they just play it too crazy or they play it too silly or they don't play it sincere enough and Cumberbatch hits a really nice balance with that you feel the pain and the anguish and you can feel how that fuels him in this and it comes across yeah. as real done to watch him go through and just try everything that he can to turn that tragedy around and it ends up obviously turning him into something he was not before uh and it's not you know he he's this all-powerful sorcerer but he looks very very scary by the end of that episode uh just because of all the power he's absorbed and it's it's a love story but it's he's being very selfish in what he's what he's trying to do uh and it took its toll on him so Robert Winfrey, you're up, man. What's what was your favorite episode out of these nine? Um, 
I was a little bit partial to Marvel Zombies for a chunk of its runtime. Okay. I think that one. I think that one more than any of these suffered from having to be as self-contained as it was. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that's getting its own. Uh, in theory, it's getting its own spinoff. Uh, you, you know, where we just get a look at what the zombies universe looks like. Because I think that's probably of the of the ideas presented here. That's the one that could actually sustain its own kind of momentum as a show. The what if Ultron one thing annoyed me. I think okay. ultimately too much, <laughs> mostly because it's well well-established within the lore of the MCU, of not just the comics, but the MCU itself, that the Infinity Stones only work in the universe where they were created. So as as soon as Ultron breaks the barrier, he's suddenly just a robot again. Like that. Yeah. I couldn't quite get my, I couldn't quite reconcile that, but I might sound weird. My favorite one might've been, what if Peggy Carter became the first Avenger? They got a little bit repetitive with Bradley Whitford playing a uh, chauvinistic jackass and again my issue is not that he's a jackass or even that he's a bit sexist it's more that it's it's the same note over and over again mm. and as short as your runtime is nothing should be that repetitive that's just bad writing but i liked the story that they told there i kind of liked steve rogers becoming the hydra stomper uh it was nice seeing shuma gorath show up and he shows up in pretty much all of these episodes as it turns out that oh really cool tie-in especially in the final episode where peggy sees uh the the tentacles come out and it just suddenly hits or it's like wait that's what i was attacking you know the, <laughs> and for the record you are right robert we brought this up on uh i, I we, t- we talked about this on the mcu's bleeding edge another podcast that i guessed on and yeah we brought that up and i completely forgotten about it but you are absolutely right that that is a gigantic plot hole that unfortunately i think we kind of have to accept for the storyline to work yeah and again i'm willing to i'm willing to go with the show but that's that one's kind of a i kind of an issue with that one um like I said, I, it wasn't my favorite episode, but I actually also kind of enjoyed the finale. You okay. Know, see, seeing the Watcher play the kind of manipulative role of assembling a team, but he knows, you know, he's seen that there's only one way this is really going to work, and mm. that involves leaving someone behind to forever be stuck in a battle with Ultron. I kind of enjoyed that. I think they did a decent enough job with that one of also kind of bouncing people around. You know, we get... Uh, that's the version where uh, Black Widow from What If Ultron 1 gets transported to What If Earth lost its Avengers. Oh, that's right, yeah. At the end, when they're all fighting Loki, because uh, for those of you who haven't seen that particular episode, a bunch of the first wave of Avengers are killed off by Hank Pym in his bitterness over S.H.I.E.L.D. and what they did to his daughter. They're left with, at the end of that, they have Captain America, Captain Marvel, um... Uh, obviously, they still have Nick Fury, but their widow dies. So the Watcher winds up transporting the one from uh, from the universe where Ultron wins into that universe because the universe where Ultron wins is now also like devoid of all life. Yeah, like, Ultron won. <laughs> you do get a really great reaction from Loki when she shows up. He's like, "You're supposed to be dead." <laughs> So I think those would probably be the ones that I enjoyed the most out of this particular season. Okay. Yeah, it it was the finale was pretty cool. I can't remember if it's that last episode or the previous episode. I think it's that last episode where I mean they're starting to bring in uh also not just the some of the characters from the uh previous episodes but like uh, to to fight on the team, but they're also like they bring in the Marvel zombies at one point, don't they? Uh to I to th- try and fight for them. I think um, the way that worked out was they had they had posted up somewhere in the universe with the Marvel zombies. 
Okay. Because because Doctor Strange just opens a portal and all he can do is open a portal to somewhere else on the same plane, on like the same reality. And then he just dumps a pile of zombies onto the <laughs> Ultron at one yeah. point. And then I think uh, Zombie Scarlet Witch ends up fighting him. Uh, yeah, and- but she can't she can't actually attack him because he's got the body of the Vision and she sees that yeah. and still has a bit of a memory attached to it. Either right. way. Cannon fodder. Cannon fodder and a decent distraction. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I, I mean, easily for me, I, I it was what if zombies. I dug the humor, was ecstatic the fact that we were having <laughs> a, a Disney Plus show featuring zombies. And there are some gruesome kills that happened in that episode. I was like, okay, this is what I was waiting for. I'm glad it was kind of like the midpoint in the, the series because that's kind of where I thought it belonged. Most of the episodes that had the humor in them, I, I definitely lean more towards liking some of the stuff that was just kind of depressing and, you know, there was a constant struggle. That was kind of tough to get behind. Uh, so what if zombies, that is... I guess that's a combination of both. I mean, you got zombies, uh, but embra- a- embrace the darkness. <laughs> embrace right. the depression. It, not to mention, it has probably the absolute coolest scene to end, to end the episode on when it goes to uh, show that Wakanda has zombie Thanos and he's got the Infinity Gauntlet with all the stones. Right. That's, all but the all but the Mind Stone. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of that's one of the few times where you're watching and you go, oh shit, they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would love to. If we know this is getting a second season at this point, I would love a continuation where we have to deal with zombie Thanos. Oh, man. Some crazy stuff. Well, okay. The Marvel zombie series, so maybe that'll show up. True. Just might. I keep I keep wondering if they're going to use this as a way to backdoor the sentry into the canon, because as we get more cosmic, I think that's probably where we're going to try and get him slotted in at some point. Oh, the sentry. What? Then he, then, he can cam, then he can cameo in one of the Venom movies and tear a symbiote in half and throw it into the sun. Oh, uh, we're just waiting for that to happen. Just waiting. So, okay. Uh, so we talked about our favorite episode. Uh, overall, Alexis, what did you like the most about the series? One of the things I actually really enjoyed, and it's it's going to sound weird, but I loved it when they actually showed in the episode exactly where the timeline divided. Like, for example, in the first episode, they show that what made the thing, the yeah, what made this timeline come out so differently was that Peggy decided not to go up into the boot, that she stayed mm. down. I love alternate reality stories, but I always like it when you can actually pinpoint the exact moment where everything changes. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but that always just piques my curiosity that it's like, and at that exact moment, I guess it's because it's one of those things that you think about, you know, when you think back on your life and you go, what if I had done taken this road instead of that road? And you find yourself actually thinking of very specific moments mm-hmm. that you would have, that things would have changed. Very true to the comic series. I can remember a good bit of the what ifs that I read. Usually in those earlier issues, they would take like a page or half a page and say, okay, this is what happened in the Marvel universe at XYZ time. What if something changed? What if at this point he did something different or she did something different? It's definitely a staple that was among the comics. And I'm kind of glad they kind of brought that into the series as well. Um, anything else? But getting so many of the actual Marvel actors to reprise right. their role in acting, that was amazing. I think actually the only two actors who consecutively did not make appearances were uh, Chris Evans, who has continu- who has already sold his soul to Disney and will be appearing in the Buzz Lightyear feature, <laughs> and uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, they're the only ones who did not uh, show up to play their characters, from what I see. Uh, did Scarlett Johansson come back at this point when they when oh, they filmed no. this? Right, it was. You're right. That was the third. What What did you like the most about the series, there, Winfrey? Um, 
probably more of a conceptual thing. I like that they're able to explore some of these different possibilities and see what see what else they can kind of play around with. I, I think that's what, to the extent that I'm excited for a second season of this, I think that's kind of what is uh, is doing it for me, is the ability to, you know, let them play around with a lot of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And the animated format in particular helps with that a great deal. You know, you're not nearly as beholden to uh, certain you know, laws or you know, uh, laws of gra- physics. If you're not going to make use of the new medium, then you really shouldn't do it. And I think they're, I would like to see them play around with some stuff. So we'll, uh, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I, I'm okay. with you guys in that I like that they were able to get the the regular actors uh, to do most of the voice work for their characters. I think it was a nice touch. And the ones that they couldn't, they got decent approximations. Not great, but uh, the guy who played their student for Chris Evans did uh, was perfectly serviceable, kind of mimicking his tone and his voice. The guy that got in for Robert Downey Jr. was uh, pretty clearly just playing a like that. That's a weak kind of caricature rather than a, a genuine performance in some respects. Well, do you have any top moments to stick out throughout the series that are your favorite? <sighs> Uh, watching the Hulk die. That's always fun. Oh man. Did he die? <laughs> he exploded. His head exploded. He, he did pop. <laughs> that was gruesome. This one stuck with me when Thanos showed up to fight Ultron in that episode and Ultron just splits him in half <laughs> with his, with his, uh, what is it? The mind gym? With just, the mind stuff with it, with his forehead yeah, laser. Yeah. Yeah. Just takes him out immediately. I, I talked about all the gruesome stuff that was happening in Marvel's Zombies, but that right there, I was. I remember when we were watching it together, you know, me and my daughter, and we were just like, "Oh my gosh!" Just took us completely by surprise. Alexis, you got any top moments to stick out to you that are your favorite? That one definitely, because I remember watching this. My husband didn't watch it with me, but when I was watching the final episode, that was the moment he came and he was like, "Uh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Minor thing, but I loved all the Easter eggs and the Party Thor episode. I love again. I loved all the cameos and the, and again the fact that they got all the freaking voice actors. I mean, for God's sakes, they actually got uh, Jeff Goldblum to <laughs> to come back and voice the right. Out, which also makes me laugh because I can name at least ten voice actors who do pretty spot on Jeff Goldblum impersonations. Oh, nice. <laughs> that would have been really easy to get. But yeah, the party scene. There are so 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 many Easter eggs in the background of all the different aliens and different dimensional characters that we have seen in the MCU and it was so much fun. I loved how you could tell the animators were having fun with that. Just the little details in the background always make me laugh. All right. Well, you know, we talked about the animation a little bit already, but I want to make sure everything gets said if there's anything left unsaid. So Winfrey, you have the floor. What are your thoughts on the overall animation or anything else to add what you've already said? I expect that with the quality of this director, we'll get this will get stronger as it goes on, assuming it continues beyond just another uh, placeholder season. There's a lot of quality voice acting work here. There's a lot of quality. Uh, there's some decent ideas. There's some some of the animation. Like I said there's places where this stuff really works. There's scenes in the zombies episode in particular that I mm-hmm. think this style of animation plays to very, very well. They're able to get a good sense of scale for some of the stuff that goes on. Uh, and they're able to do stuff uh, with this style that you know, doing it in the more traditional hand-drawn style would have been cost prohibitive or doing it in purely 2D. Uh, you just couldn't do stuff with the camera that they were able to do here in this one. So I think they're going to figure out a, the right balance as far as that goes. And I, I am cautiously optimistic about the future of this 
property if they choose to really kind of extend it because there's also some fun stuff that they could continue to play around with you know there's a lot of what if scenarios that you could uh, engage with potentially for stuff to adapt so right right yeah there's a ton my goodness really did love the animation this was a really creative style uh i think my only critique about it was that some of the actors or some of the characters i guess you could say it got a little hard to tell some of them apart i for i think one of my best examples was in the zombies episode we see uh scott lang's head in a jar you know for all you futurama fans but i remember when they just showed that scene briefly in the trailer you didn't hear a voice and there was a lot of people who couldn't tell if that was Paul Rudd or Tom Holland or whose head that was in the jar. So <laughs> right. I hope that they get a, they're get they able to distinguish the characters just a little bit more in uh, the next season. It's a minor complaint, but it is something I really like to see them do. Again, I'm not 100% familiar with um, a lot of the What If comic series, but as weird as it sounds, I'd like to see more of the Watchers. I want to see what happens when Uatu has to essentially explain what the hell he was thinking by breaking his vow. Yeah, that might be something that comes up at some point. Uh, I can see them. One would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I could see them doing probably like six episodes, kind of like what they did here, like five or six episodes. We're going to do the anthology size or uh, the anthology uh, way of telling stories. And then we're going to have something where some people uh, that know Watu show up and be like, OK, dude, you you've done something bad. And here's what we need to do. And he has to get another team together. Who knows? I don't know if they're going to go back to that well or not. But uh, again, I really enjoyed this series and I am looking forward to the second season. Okay. This was this was a lot of fun, and you could tell that everyone had a lot of fun making it. I mean, the voice actors all gave their all. Majority of these are actors who I don't think have done voice acting before. And I've talked before, so many times whenever uh, Mark and I reviewed animated series or movies about how it's painfully obvious when a they get a celebrity to voice a character. It's like they got it just because it was a celebrity because this person clearly doesn't understand what you need to put in to be a voice actor. It's so much harder than people realize. But all of these actors sound perfect. I I would honestly have assumed if they hadn't that if they if I didn't know that um, they were the Marvel actors, I would have assumed they got professional voice actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did a really good job on that. Watching Galactus take a chunk out of a galaxy was kind of (laughs) cool. We do get that for a brief moment at one point in time. Um, yeah, I'm, and I am cautiously optimistic about uh, a potential second season. There's a lot of stuff they can still play around with that I'd like to see explored. I like that this season doesn't shy away from stuff being bleaker, uh, which if I have a if one of my criticisms of a lot of what the MCU does, it gets a little bit samey and predictable because of what it's meant to be in some respects. So seeing that played with just a touch, I rather enjoyed. So I'm curious to see how they might do something like that in the future. I can't believe we actually didn't talk about Jeffrey Wright voicing the Watcher and how good of a job he did on that. He was actually what sold me into the series when they announced that he was going to voice Uatu. I'm like, sold, done, watching. Just like, perfect. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll close up shop here. We'll get into plugs. So, uh, Hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Source Material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn 
and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com w, the number two, m network to download Grammarly for free. Robert Winfrey, you will you will have the honors to go first here. Go ahead and plug what you got going on there, buddy. Well, I cover stuff for 411 Mania a few times a week. Professional wrestling on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That's AEW's Dark Elevation, MLW's Fusion Alpha, and WWE SmackDown, respectively. When there's a UFC event on Saturdays, I cover that. This week, it's UFC on ESPN Plus 55. Uh, the return of Max Holloway, arguably the best featherweight in the world. And he's going to beat the crap out of Yair Rodriguez. That's my official prediction on that. <laughs> that if you even if you're not a big fan of fighting, what Ma- Max Holloway is the very fan friendly fighter. If you're if you're even remotely interested, watch Max Holloway fights. He's he's a joy. Okay. Uh, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, which is your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, search for that and you can find it. I appreciate all the support that you're able to give me over there. Uh, let's see. Mark and I re- uh, we got together. Mark, myself, Alexis. And David Wright, and we reviewed Marvel's The Eternals this week over on Damn You Ooh, Hollywood. I didn't even did have find... a chance to see how long that show went. How long did the show go? I ju- I'm not just as, curious. Not as long as the movie. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> it, it's over two hours, but not as long as the movie. All right. All right. As long as you came under under the uh, runtime of the movie, that's all I wondered about. So if you're interested in our thoughts on uh, that, go over there and give it a listen. This upcoming week, myself, I, uh, Mark, and I think you're on the, are you on the Lock and Key season two episode? He, Jesse, he penciled me in. I may have him quite quickly erase me because I am very busy this weekend. Uh, so. No worries. So at, at a bare minimum, Mark and I will talk about it. And if it's just me and Mark, I'm guessing that'll be the shortest podcast we've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i because i got wu-tang like right after that uh the next day um, yeah i know i'm yeah, speaking I've, gibberish to you uh, i am aware of what it is i mean i'd enjoy <laughs> it but i know what it is um mark and i will also mark myself and ronnie adams will be doing a double feature uh i think tomorrow sunday sunday uh we'll be talking about a couple of movies that dropped on netflix red notice starring the rock Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. My big question coming out of that is how in the world did The Rock have better chemistry with Sean William Scott of all people than Ryan Reynolds? Oh, wow. Yeah, Um, no kidding. So we'll be talking about that. But if you haven't seen The Rundown, which is the movie I'm referencing with The Rock and Sean William Scott having chemistry, stop what you're doing. Go watch The Rundown. Thank me later. We'll be reviewing that and Army of Thieves. There was some thought given to also reviewing uh, the new Home Alone movie on Disney Plus, but time got away from a lot of us. And we just kind of went, you know what? Let's just do the <laughs> let's just do the two heist con focused movies that came out on Netflix. And we'll call that good. So the three of us are going to get together and review those two movies. So be on the lookout for that if you're so inclined. Uh, we have the Ghostbusters review coming up. It'll be in a couple of weeks, but, you know, Ghostbusters is something we can all be excited about. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, yeah, and just, you know, we thank you all very much for your support. Please do like, comment, subscribe, rate, tell a friend. It all matters. It all helps. Uh, we are slowly growing this monstrosity, and we would like to accelerate the growth just a, just a little bit, if at all possible. 
possible. So I thank you all very much for whatever help you can do in that regard. And that is it for me. Alexis Haina, please, you have the floor. All right. Well, uh, see, there's not much recording for next week except for two things. First of all, Mark and I will be uh, discussing Only Murders in the Building on TV Party tonight. I think we're recording that on uh, this coming Thursday, so I should probably actually make time to finish the series. <laughs> but that is the bane of our existence, isn't it? It's just like, I want to talk about this show. Okay, when the hell do I find time to watch it? Right, right. Yeah, so got that. And then this coming Saturday, Jesse, you and I are recording Tripped Up Trivia. This is our Disney Trivia Month. Cannot wait to get started on that. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we got two, maybe three guaranteed. So we For may sure. need a fourth. All right, then, folks, if you think you can best us on Disney Trivia, this is Trivia About Disney Movies, TV Shows, and the Parks, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know if you're interested, because we are looking for a fourth contender. And when I have not sold my soul to the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, or I am not dealing with a plethora of uh, canines in my house, <laughs> uh, I also uh, run Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. We're getting ready for Black Friday. God, this fall has gone by way too fast right but this year, this year was conducted at an accelerated pace to make up for 2020 which never felt like it would end <laughs> true <laughs> can i steal that you're welcome to <laughs> thank you but yes the big news with black friday first of all we are going to be doing a big sale everything on both our etsy and handmade at Am handmade at amazon uh, sh uh, shops will be 20 percent off we will also be kicking off our annual charity drive for every order that is placed in either shop between the Black Friday and Christmas Eve for every individual order, we will be donating $5 to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So if you're interested in our fun, funky, handmade jewelry that is inspired by all things geek and chic, please head on over to our Etsy and handmade at Amazon shops. You can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Honeysuckle Rose Creations. Alright, well, for myself, uh, I was involved in a podcast uh, this past Monday. We It was Mark and myself talking titans season three drugs <laughs> drugs is bad okay it was something it was something to behold we had a, like i don't know how many storylines crammed into one season uh but it was always of course a good discussion with mark radlich chris armstrong and myself recorded an unspoken issues episode for neil gaiman's Issue number nine of Spawn, the first appearance of Angela. And, of course, we talked about the controversy of how Neil, Neil Gaiman uh, sued Todd McFarlane for the rights to the <laughs> character and then proceeded to sell the character to Marvel. Um, so the story, of, the story of Image Comics is the reminder that creative types should not go into business with other creative types. <laughs> boy, oh boy, there are plenty of examples to prove of exactly what you're talking about that happened in those early days. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, you can also go check out, you know, we're not too far removed from Halloween. I can tell you that uh, mine and Chris Armstrong's coverage of Rise of the Midnight Suns and some fun-sized episodes that unfortunately didn't hit the 22-minute mark. And uh, again, we're sitting on the bad end of not a billion downloads. Uh, but <laughs> just, just in case you want to check that out, uh, we have like uh, most of those episodes are like, I don't know, four 
14, 15 minutes. Uh, and you can hear us talk about one issue, uh, at a total of six episodes total, uh, leading up from the beginning to the end of Rise of the Midnight Suns. We got Ghost Rider in there. We got Morbius. We got Johnny Blaze. It's just it's a lot of insanity that's uh, happening. Oh, Doctor Strange, again, behind the scenes. And I believe that's kind of all I'm invested in here, at least on the upcoming schedule. So with that being said, we are about to get out of here. Uh, for Alexis Sana, for Robert Winfrey, I'm Jesse Starcher. This has been TV Party Tonight. What if? We'll be talking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.